Happy Mother's Day. That's awesome. To all the moms who resonate, give me a big amen, right? Say amen. I think that video hit it right on the nail. My, I was thinking about this today when I think about the things my mother has taught me. And as I was putting together this message today, as we go into the topic we're hanging out on today, I reflected, I thought, well, I'll just create a list of all the things that my mom taught me. So let me share this list with you. The things that my mother taught me. And I hope my mom's not listening on live stream right now because I'll know in about an hour she'll give me a phone call, but anyway. My mother taught me how to pray. When I spilled grape juice in the living room, she yelled, you better pray that stain comes out of the carpet. <laughs> my mother taught me about truth when she responded, because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me about the future. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Now, as an old paramedic, that is true. I just want you all to know that is true. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. My mother taught me about consequence. Keep laughing, and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about perseverance. You sit there until all that spinach is gone. My mother taught me about the sanctity of life. I brought you into this world. I can take you out. And my mother taught me about godly behavior. Stop acting like your father, right? <laughs> okay, so yeah, dads, I'll work on a list for Father's Day too. So when I thought of that list, I thought of three things. Moms are over us. They're just like a protective shell over us. They, not only are moms over us, they're for us, and they're always at work, it seems like, through us. Moms are over us, for us and always at work in us and through us. And so look at this list with me about moms. Who else does this remind you of? Close? The Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches us how to pray, teaches us truth, teaches us the future, tells us about the future, consequence, perseverance, sanctity of life, so many more things. It's just a few things, but this is the same list of how the Holy Spirit teaches and guides and moves through us, and that is what we're jumping in today. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. I think it's a great way to jump in, great segue for, for uh, Mother's Day, too. So I want to welcome everybody. I know there's a lot of fresh faces in here. There's a lot of you who are excited about something we're going to be doing a little bit later, and that's a child dedication here, So, but to our guests. We hope you feel like family already. My name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. And those who are online, I know some of you are watching some of the children's stuff we're going to do later too. And to our family online, we're glad with you. You're, you're with us, hanging out with us today. I got all the way up here without a worship guide, but when you walked in here, you got this cool worship guide. Would you stand up, Devin, and just say, here it is. There you go. Thank you. Good job. There's an outline on the back of that that's going to, as we go and talk about the Holy Spirit here today, it's a kind of an outline that shapes the sermon or what we're going to talk about. Feel free to fill that out. Take it home. Those are kind of notes that you can reflect back on as we go. We are in the first week of a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, this series is called The Power of Together. The Spirit is a power, but we're talking about the power of us together as community in faith. And so... Uh, uh, this is a three-week series as we delve into the Holy Spirit coming right off Easter. We followed the encounters of Jesus, and then Jesus releases the power of the Spirit on the church. And so we're just kind of following along right after Easter, and it's been a lot of fun. So here's our first sermon note together. Just like moms, God is over us, He's for us, and He's at work in us. Just like moms, 
God is over us. God is transcendent. He is God. He is the Lord Almighty. He is over us, which should give us a lot of comfort. He is for us. God is for us, and there's no more evident way of seeing that through his son Jesus, who he sent to earth to live, to die, to rise again for us. And God is in us. He's in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is for us, or I'm sorry, he's above us, for us, and in us. We see how God is over us and for us in this in the Gospel of John. These are the very words of Jesus here in the chapter 16, where Jesus gives his final instructions, kind of getting the last wrap up here with his disciples. He's told them that he's going away, and they're not happy about it. He's told them that his life, it'll take his very life, what is going to happen. And he shares this with them. Starting in verse 5, he says, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you, not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. And we jump down to verse 13. When the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. We're seeing all three here. God is above us, for us, and in us. All three in the Scripture. Jesus' earthly mission is coming to a close when he shares this. He says, I'm going to ascend, which we shared last week, why the ascension was so important. But he says, I'm going to ascend and make room so somebody better than me. It's so hard to imagine there's somebody better than Jesus that he's going to send. He says, I'm going to make room and send the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will, and you look at this, there's so much richness in this scripture. The Spirit will speak and guide you Speaking what the Father says and speaking what I've said. The Spirit will bring glory to the Father and to the Son. And he's shown how all three work together. And this is a beautiful description of the word or the doctrine we call Trinity. Trinity. The beautiful description of God is one, but he exists in three persons. And so we're going to set a foundation for this Holy Spirit series, this short series, by talking about first, well, who is the Trinity? And then talking about who is the Holy Spirit. And this will lay a foundation that then we can spring off of that in the next two weeks. The thing about the Trinity is, you know, for you guys know, if you go out and search, for those of you aware, you you search your Bible app or anything, you're not going to find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. The Trinity is not described by a couple, two or three proof texts. I can pull a couple scriptures and say, here's Trinity. As a matter of fact, the way we describe and know who the Trinity is, is we start in Genesis 1. He's right there. And we see the Trinity in Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation. It's pervasive. The story of God is one in three persons is pervasive. It is scripted and woven through the entire Bible. You can't miss it. 
It is so big and so deep, it took the Christian church almost three, four, five hundred years to formulate the doctrine of the Trinity as the New Testament was written and they're getting their arms around this great God who works over us, for us, and in us. So let me give you, here's our, here's this next sermon note. The Trinity is, now, yeah, there's actually two Trinity is, did I jump here? No, I don't make sure I get lost, okay. The Trinity is, let's start here, one God, but in three persons. So we'll start here. The Trinity is one God, but in three, three persons of the Father, Son, and Spirit. There is only one God. Ephesians 4 describes this to us. It says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, in all, and living through all. Do you hear that? It's one God who's over all, for all, through all. Three persons of God. He is one, but there's three persons, three ways he personally moves and acts, Father, Son, and Spirit. So there's the first point of the Trinity. The second point of the Trinity is it's mysterious, yet graspable. The Trinity is mysterious. There are aspects that we do not know or understand no matter how deep we go into scriptures because it is about God. And God, we cannot completely know, at least here. But to say the Trinity is mysterious because we're trying to comprehend the very mind and movement of God does not mean that it's not graspable for us, that we can somewhat get our arms around it enough to understand enough to know about these three persons that we can know them, love them, and interact with them. The third point, the Trinity is co-equal. Perfectly embraced in love and harmony. In the persons of God, one is not greater than the other. We even have to be cautious of thinking there is no pecking order or subordination. Now there is, but I don't want to get on that deep, but there's not one that's more valuable or higher than the other. They are co-equal. They are perfectly embraced and interdependent. Hear that word, interdependent. They rely on each other. And the fourth point is the Trinity is not separate but indwelling. The Trinity is separate, not separate, but indwelling. The persons of the Trinity are not three separate people, but they actually dwell and interact with each other. They cannot oppose each other. They cannot be pulled apart. They are actually perfectly unified all the time. And so there's a, a word I want to share with you. I thought, well, we learned one, you know, like Bible nerd thing today. This one's kind of fun, the word perichoresis. So let's take you into a fun word. Perichoresis, it's a breakdown of two words. Para means around. Choresis means moving in, interacting within. It's a word that we use to describe the Trinity. Parachoresis means that the three persons are actually surround each other, but yet they interact and move within each other. And it's beautifully described. I think one of the greatest analogies we use when we talk about how they're not only surrounding us, they surround each other and they're in and they move in with each other, and we'll talk about how they move within us, is they describe it as a dance. If you think of dancing with a partner, you're all around each other, and every movement is together as you dance. I think it's a beautiful description of perichoresis. So here's our one big word we get to learn today. So let me give you an example of how this works. Let's talk about our salvation. 
Our salvation means that I know because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death, resurrection lives, I know by believing in him that I will rise again. That is in the doctrine of salvation. Salvation means that death is not a final answer for me or for you. So to see how the Trinity works in salvation, we know that it first starts with the God, the Father's power and love. Salvation starts with God, the Father's power and love. It's seen for us through the Son's death and resurrection. Our salvation would not be there without the Son's death and resurrection, but it is a Spirit who regenerates us, who makes us new, and puts a seal on us when we're saved. It takes all three. Perichoresis. Working around, through, in. The love of the Father, the power of the Father, the death and resurrection of the Son. And then the Holy Spirit who regenerates you and I, makes us new, and seals us. Another simple way to describe the Trinity is community. When we think of God the Father, Son, and Spirit, we think of community. They are community. They commune with each other, woven in. God lives in community with the Son and Spirit. So, so here's our next note. The Trinity is community that invites us into that community. The Trinity is a community that actually invites, can you imagine God the Father, Son, and Spirit actually invites you and I into that community? The community of the Trinity is not closed. By no means the doors are wide open and the invite for us the very God of the universe, His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit seek us every day and bring us into and keep us in community with them. Let me summarize that. We are invited into the dance. Every day the Father, Son, and Spirit draw us into the dance that we can dwell in them and they can dwell in us. It only happens through the power of the Spirit. This is beautifully proclaimed. Kind of our key scripture today is John 17, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. This is what we call the high priestly prayer, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, where Jesus is praying just hours before he goes to the cross. He's praying a very intimate prayer with his Father. Look at everything we're talking about in this simple text. Jesus talking to the Father, praying to the Father, says, I am praying not only for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. And ladies and gentlemen, that is us in this room. I pray that they will all be one, that you will all be in a community. Everybody that follows these disciples will be one in community, just as you, Father, and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Check this part out. And may they be in us. There's the invite to the dance. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You can't miss not only the beauty of the Trinity, but the invite to dwell in them and them dwell in us. We are invited. Notice I said we are not forced. You are invited. There's nothing that forces you into the community. To dwell with the Trinity, the Trinity to dwell in us, Paracresis, the dance. Why? So that the world will believe. Jesus said that the world will believe you sent me to change the world. That's amazing. 
So as we look at this foundation of the Trinity, let's make sure we understand who the third person is of the Trinity, and that is the Holy Spirit. And I know some of this is pretty fundamental today, but it's a good place just to start so we can jump around the next two weeks. So here's our next note together. The Holy Spirit then. The Holy Spirit is, first, God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our prayer. He's worthy of our worship. Three in one makes each person God. When we speak to the Holy Spirit, we're speaking to the very God himself. When we speak to the Holy Spirit, we're speaking to Jesus, the Father transcendent, Jesus at his right hand. It's the Spirit that brings them to us. Because the Holy Spirit is God, he is worthy of our prayer. He is worthy of our devotion and worship. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. I do it all the time, especially when I need him, which is multiple times a day. It's okay, because when you're speaking to him, you're also speaking to the Father and the Son. Not only is the Holy Spirit God, he is a person. He is a person who can be known and loved and who grieves. The Holy Spirit is a person who we can know through God's word, which lists his name, the Spirit, all over the place from the very first chapter to the end, but also through talking to him. Sometimes we make prayer too hard. He is a person who can be loved, who knows love, And he is a person that when we are in a love relationship with him, that we can hurt him. Ephesians 4.30 reminds us, and do not grieve, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way we live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That love relationship is so real that I can grieve and hurt God's Holy Spirit. And alas, not only the Holy Spirit is God, He's a person, He is right here. He is right here. He is right here. The Holy Spirit is closer than our very breath. The Holy Spirit surrounds us, he's around us, he's in us, and when he's invited in, he's as close as our very breath. The word spirit in the New Testament, he, uh, New Testament Greek, the Old Testament uh, Hebrew, the word means breath. We sing, we just sang, we poured out praise with the very same breath he gives us. God is spirit, is breath, wind, and life force that sustains all human beings, all living things. Are you kind of getting it's a big deal who the Holy Spirit is? It's a big deal. So if I could use one sentence to summarize who the Holy Spirit is, here's our third sermon note together. The Holy Spirit is the presence and the power of God at work. If I gather everything we said and just tie it into one sentence, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God and the power of God at work, not only in, at work in all of creation, but in us as created beings. The presence, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. As a matter of fact, if you go through Scripture, you'll find out it lists Him as the Spirit of God. You'll hear that the Holy Spirit is listed as the Spirit of Christ. You'll hear the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. 
He brings all of that to us. His presence brings a presence of God right here, the presence of Christ right here, in, in here. And he is the power, the power of God. And when that power of God resides in us, we have that same power of God, not ours, but in us. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, how powerful is this power? The Holy Spirit is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power is in you and I. Not for me, but for what God wants to do through me and you. I always like that line. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. How important is the power and the presence of the Spirit? Let me tell you what it would be like if there wasn't a Spirit. If there was no Spirit, there'd be no creation for the Spirit was hovering over the primordial waters in Genesis 1. If there's no Spirit, there'd be no incarnation, no Jesus coming to live amongst us because the Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary when she conceived. If there's no spirit, there'd be no resurrection because like I said, the Holy Spirit was the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Check your scripture. If there's no spirit, there'd be no church because the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church on the day of Pentecost by breathing out on us. And so if there is no Holy Spirit, no church, then ladies and gentlemen, there would be no Christians because the spirit is the one who regenerates the dead soul and mediates the presence of Jesus in us. If there is no spirit, there would be no spiritual gifts. There would be no talents and personalities that he would react with because the gifts are given by him to equip the church for her mission. If there was no spirit, we would have all got together today, and I don't know what we would have sang. Maybe some old Motley Crue songs or something like that. I don't know, but it, we wouldn't have the scripture or the verse or the things to sing. And I think without the spirit, I don't know why you would come on Sunday because it would be a pretty boring place without him without the spirit there would be no bible because the scriptures are God breathed and the authors were engaged and wrote under the power of the spirit and the last thing is if there's no spirit there would be no revival because the Holy Spirit gives the passion to us to know God and to make God known still with me? big deal it's a big deal to spend three weeks here actually we should be spending a year here but so the question is, and how do we get the Holy Spirit in us? How do I get the Spirit of God in us? Your next sermon note. We receive the Holy Spirit the moment we believe. It's not rocket science. The minute you believe that Jesus came to earth, trusted in his life, death, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, and believed, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's clearly indicated in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 13. And now you Gentiles, that's just everybody as you guys know but that weren't the Jewish people at the time this was written, and you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee Rock solid that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us through the very blood of Christ to be his own people. He did this so we could praise and glorify him. 
Not only is the gift of the Spirit, the moment we believe, the gift of the Spirit is essential to us having new life the moment we believe. This is depicted in John 3, 5 through 8. The scripture reads, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Nobody can enter heaven without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You must be a new creation. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. Not only do we believe, receive, it's essential to our new life in Jesus, but it's also essential to be the power to overcome our sinful nature. Without the Spirit, we can't belong to Jesus. And that's depicted in Romans 8, 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. That's kind of a sobering verse about the importance of the Spirit. So let me kind of summarize this up a little bit. The... Um, the Spirit is a personal gift that you got the day you believed. For those of you who are here who have not made that decision to believe, I'm so glad you're here. If you want to talk about this after the service today, I would love, or just write on your Connect card, I would love to talk about Christ and my new journey with Him and receiving the Holy Spirit. You just write there with an email or come up afterwards, we'll be right here. The Spirit is a personal gift, but it is not individualistic. And guys, let me push back so hard on this. Our culture is so hyper-individualistic. Our culture, you are surrounded every day about the importance of me. And the Holy Spirit comes to us as a gift, and it's not for us alone. It is for the community. It is for the greater good, is why the Spirit fills us. He changes us. He grows us. The Spirit is a personal gift, but it is not individualistic. The Spirit comes not so we can be independent, but that we can become interdependent on each other, just like the Father, Son, and Spirit are interdependent on each other. Not only interdependent on the Father, Son, and Spirit, but interdependent on each person in this room, for we all have different gifts. We'll talk about that later. We all have ways that we make this place better. And if you take your ball and go home, we lose out. The gift of the Spirit isn't for us alone. The gift is to bring us into the community of faith and to bring us into the community of God. The church is not structures, offices, doctrines, or programs. The church is people unified in the Spirit. One Lord, one faith, one Spirit, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And so let me wrap up with this last note. The Holy Spirit is the power of new community in Christ. And this is what's going to take us into the next couple of weeks. We talk about the power of together. The Holy Spirit is the power of new community in Christ. The Holy Spirit, for those in this room who believe, made us a new creation in Christ. You were made new, and then when you're put into community, you made community new. But some of us maybe professed faith in Jesus 40 years ago, and we don't feel very new today, right? Let me tell you, you are new every day. 
The Holy Spirit made us a new creation in Christ. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Since Christ is in us, we have new access to God's presence every day. We have new favor every day. We have new identity every day. We have an, an identity that continues to change to be more like Christ. We have a new nature and a secure destiny. And through faith, we are now part of a new community, a new humanity, a new nation. And not only that, when we go to Lamentations chapter 3, it says that not only are we in a new community, that we have his new mercies every day. Now let me tell you how important that is. Because even though we're saints on a good direction, we still sin and we need that spirit intervention with Christ and God every day to bring us new mercies because we might mess up today. Every day we wake up in the morning like Lamentations 3 says and we have new mercies every day God loves us like that to change us get us back on repentance get us back in order each member of this body locally and globally belongs to each other we belong to each other through the power of the spirit and I will fight tooth and nail against any individualistic spirit here but yet your unique creation is so special to all of us Not only is, so I, I hope we get this point about new community. It's really cool. New community is important, and especially two to three times a year, we get a special moment in our church where we get to invite children into our new community through child dedication. Now, if you happen to hang around after first service, we dedicated 10 children <laughs> this morning, our first service. We have some more. We're going to invite up families one at a time and introduce them, and through their vows and ours, we're going to invite children into this new community. Before I do that, let me explain a little bit of why we do child dedication here and the importance of it. When it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit and bringing humanity into new community, child dedication is one of the ways that we celebrate and worship new community. We're going to celebrate and worship here together all these little ones we're bringing into community. Today we are being very bold. The parents are being super bold because they're going to step up here and they're going to commit to raising their children in the power of the Holy Spirit, community and faith against a world that's going to push back really hard on their children. This dedication ceremony is a public statement by the parents that they desire to raise their child in the faith of Christ and within the church. The church, which is all of you, will respond in the ceremony later of your desire and commitment to come alongside these parents and to encourage and assist them in raising their child in the ways of the Lord, which reminds us of Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off in the way they should go, and they won't get far from it. But the strongest desire you will see in every child that's presented here today is that one day they will grow and mature in their faith, and they will make their own personal and public profession to follow Jesus. And then you know what happens, right? They jump in the water, and we go nuts because we think it's that big of a deal. This dedication is biblical. We look at the example of Joseph and Mary dedicating Jesus in the temple shortly after his birth. But we also look at Mark chapter 10 where Jesus welcomed the children openly. And, and this is what he said. It's the, the scripture reads this. It says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded them for bothering Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with the disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. 
For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of heaven like a child will never enter it. And they took the children in his arms, Jesus did, and blessed, and placed his hand on their heads and he blessed them. And that's what we're gonna do today. So let's make these vows together. Now wait. <laughs> now you can have as much excitement. Respond with we do and respond loud. But understand when you respond, you are responding to commit to these families and be the body of Christ to them, okay? Do you promise to pray for these parents as they raise their child to trust and follow Christ? Yes. Good. Do you promise to take your own relationship with God seriously so you will be a spiritual example for these children? Yes. And do you promise to do all you can? That means using your gifts and talents and abilities to help and support this family in their effort to build a godly home. We do. Amen. Can we give a big round of applause? I would, uh, I would like to do a prayer of offering. If you'd stay standing with me, offering to, this is a time where of everything we've heard about today, what God has given us, we give back. You might need to give back something that today you're offering is something about the Holy Spirit and changing your life. If you have a financial gift, we have our boxes right by the door you can give online to keep the fuel of the mission of this church going too. But God is looking for your time, your treasure, and your talent to commit as a body of Christ. And so our offering today is really big because we're offering this children to a big task ahead of them and their families. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? And, and worship team, would you come back and join me? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. What a gift. What a gift. I hope we all walk out the door today, Father, with a, just a renewed heart for the Spirit, a renewed connection. Father, if the Spirit is something new to us, that today we engage the Spirit in a special way, for it is the very presence of you and the power of you and your Son in us. Father, it is the Holy Spirit that lights our hair on fire and our hearts on fire, and I just want everybody to go out of here with their hair on fire and their hearts on fire. And Father, we pray for these children. Their parents just did a very brave thing to stand up like this. And it's a very brave thing for this church to come behind them as an offering too, that we're all offering ourselves to be the church that we can be. So Father, a mighty offering, it still pales in comparison to the sacrifice you gave us through your son. But we're gonna give you the best we got. We pray all this in his name. Amen. <laughs>